What's going on, people? It's Yabai Galeche back with another episode of the Ramblin' Mind Podcast. How are each and every single one of y'all doing out there? I hope y'all are doing good. I hope y'all are staying safe. I hope y'all are still avoiding people. I hope you're still washing your hands. I hope you're still staying away from folks, wearing your mask, doing all the stuff you know you ought to do during these times to keep yourself safe. Hope you're taking care of yourself, man. I hope you guys are taking care of yourselves because coronavirus is still real out in these streets. So you got to be prepared. And you still got to be taking care of yourself during these days and these times and these seasons. Hope you're taking care of yourselves, man. I hope y'all are doing what you know you ought to do. I hope your family and your friends and everyone around you are safe and sound and everybody is doing well. I hope y'all are doing well. But welcome back to the Rambling Mind Show. It's I'm your host, Kelechi. As I said at the beginning of the show, I don't know why I'm repeating that. I hope y'all are safe. We got a lot to get into today. Today, we're going to be talking about the business news of the world. As you guys know, every Tuesday, we like to talk about personal finance and investments, particulars with those topics. But every Thursday, we like to dive into the news and see how things that are happening in the world affect our dollars. I'm not going to lie to y'all. This episode is going to get very political because there's been a lot of stuff that has happened and we got to talk about it. We got to talk about it. We got the fact that Donald Trump is the first president to be impeached uh, twice, said in all kinds of wrong history. And then, of course, we got the fact that he got banned on basically every platform. We'll talk about that. And I don't think y'all will actually agree with the thing that I'm going to say when I talk about that topic. Then we got business just doing all kinds of stuff. And then we got some extra stuff that we'll talk about at the end that I think is pretty interesting to talk about because it's me. And we always going to talk about interesting stuff here on the podcast and if this is your first time around these parts if this is your first time listening to the podcast subscribe to the podcast and if you know people who can benefit from hearing this podcast share it let them learn some of the knowledge don't just hoard it all to yourself share the podcast share the love put it out on social put it out on your website put it out in text messages tell them about where you get all your good information from Because you know your boy is always going to come with that fire, fire, fire information. But anyway, we're going to start off with the job market. Because as you guys know, one of the key aspects of looking at the economy is the job market, the labor market. And December, well, December was not Christmas for everybody, man. December was not easy going for everybody, man. I mean, everybody had different versions of pain that they went through in December, whether it's some people lost loved ones and it was the first time they had to spend Christmas without them, or some people couldn't even go see loved ones. But in the labor market, we lost 140,000 jobs. In other words, we didn't add jobs in December. We lost 140,000 jobs, which means the V-shaped recovery that people keep on talking about and keep on saying, oh, we're going through a V-shaped recovery, going through a V-shaped recovery. Yeah, that thing's dead. That, 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 that thing's dead. It's dead in the water. It's not really going anywhere. The only thing that recovered in a V-shaped way was the housing, was housing and also was uh, the stock market. The actual economy itself is not going through a V-shaped recovery. Like we said earlier on, the recovery process is going to look more like a square root than it's going to look like anything else. In other words, it's going to dip It's going to recover and then it's going to stay the same for a while. And now we're starting to go through that phase of staying the same for a while. 
unemployment did drop to 6.7%, which it's been there for a couple of months now. 500,000 jobs were lost in the leisure and hospitality industry as the virus began to take hold once again. In restaurants and the food industry alone, 372,000 jobs were lost, mainly due to the fact that as it gets colder, restaurants couldn't keep staying open and guests could not go to a restaurant because they'll be outside and it's cold. And that was the saving grace for a lot of restaurants earlier in the year. Although we no longer have the 22 million job loss number that we saw at the beginning of the pandemic, we are still 10 million shy of the number that we were at pre-pandemic. The point of this whole thing is now that we have um, Joe Biden as the president, the House is ruled by the Democrats and the Senate is ruled by the Democrats as well, expect to see a lot more money pumped into the economy by the government because that blue wave if there's one thing that we can be happy about is it's actually going to finally put some money in the pockets of those who actually really need it it's finally going to put some more money into the economy now i'm not talking about quantitative easing from the fed the fed can stop like please stop please fed we are begging you please stop pumping money and buying bonds and all that other stuff you guys already did a great job you did very well good job Go home, sit down, drink some cocoa. Won't want you all messing with the markets anymore. Because right now we're at a point in the markets where we have too much exuberance. It feels very bubbly. And it's, it feels like, ah, what's going to happen tomorrow? That doesn't mean that you need to go sell out of all your stocks, by the way. It's just be aware of what might happen. Risk management is so important when it comes to investing. But anyway, that's not what this podcast is about today. Let's keep talking about the labor market. The only good thing, and not to be completely and totally pessimistic about everything, the good thing was other industry, apart from the hospitality and leisure industries, actually doing really well. Construction, manufacturing, they've continued to add more and more and more jobs. That's why even though 500,000 jobs were lost in leisure and hospitality, we only came out with a net 140,000 jobs that were lost in December. So they're adding back a lot of other jobs in construction, in manufacturing, in accounting, in all the other like, you know, white collar jobs as well. They're adding more and more of those back into the fray, which is good to see. However, there's still a lot of people that are unemployed. And the worst that that I saw was one in three people are dropping out of the labor market. So we have about a 33% labor market where people who are unemployed are just giving up searching for jobs because they're kind of like, I'm not finding a job and I don't know what else to do. So they drop out of the labor market. That's why you will see the unemployment rate keep dropping, but it's not dropping due to the fact that people have found jobs. It's dropping due to the fact that people have given up looking for jobs and I've just basically found other ways to make money. And so, or not even make money, maybe they're just waiting on the economy to open back up, the vaccine to kick in and for people to be able to do the things that they they need to be able to do to put food on the table. So that's something to keep in mind. Now, moving on from there, let's get into the events at Capitol Hill storming of last week. We talked about it a little bit last week. We talked about it, but man, did I not, I did not expect it to be that bad, man. I did not expect, anyway, the storming, we talked about it last week. And even more so is the reaction that we had from a lot of different social media platforms. From Reddit to Twitch, Shopify, Twitter, Google, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, Apple, Discord, Pinterest, and Stripe all banned Trump from using their platforms. 
And you know, you know, you know that Twitter has been waiting, just waiting, just literally waiting for the moment where they can just be like, yes, now is our time. It is time for us to do the thing that we wanted to do all this time, but we couldn't do it because he's the president. But he's gone too far, and so we're gonna do what we've been wanting to do. You know Jack Dorsey was in that room like, I'm pressing the button. Everybody get out the way. I'm pressing the button. I'm tired of this dude. I'm the one that's gonna press this button because I'm ready for him to be out of here. You know they were excited in Twitter headquarters when they were about to ban that dude. When the email was sent out like, as of today, we will be banning the president from, we will be banning President Donald Trump from using Twitter permanently. You know they were throwing parties in there because Donald Trump has been coming for Twitter so much. He'll be coming for Twitter so much. Amazon Web Services also pulled, pulled hosting of the platform Parler which has been the de facto safe haven social media platform for a lot of conservative and extreme right discussions. For a long time, they had been given room to and special privileges, like I said earlier, to uh, Donald Trump because he was the president and they couldn't just silence a president. So they had given him a lot of wiggle room for him to do a lot of stuff, to pump a lot of false information on their platform. And they just were just standing back. They just were kind of standing back because, well, he's the president. And then finally, like I said, it's the straw that broke the camel's back. It was the final thing. It was like, you came for America's democracy with some of the things that you said and the way that you incited people to go on a violent rampage. I mean, people were smashing windows. People actually, there was actually a fire set on the Capitol. People, I mean, they were doing all kinds of stuff. You guys have already seen the videos. You don't need me to rehash the whole thing. However, however, I do have a problem with the whole the platforming of everyone or people whenever they do something like this. I know like if it was anybody else, that person would have been off of the platform for a long time. However, it is still like I'm still like worried about the idea of a few companies having this much power to be able to silence the still president of the United States. As Chancellor of Germany said, Angela Merkel, if you don't know who that is, she's the Chancellor of Germany. She said, the permanent substantiation of the POTUS, the President of the United States from Twitter, was quote-unquote problematic. Because CEOs of these companies wield so much power that at any point in time, they can just pull the plug on anybody that they want. Right now, it's good. Like, right now, everybody's celebrating it because it's like, yay, he was saying all kinds of the mess. It's finally good that we're able to get rid of him. Yay. But the problem is, on the other side, is should they be able to just do this at any point in time that they want to do this? I mean, yes, every one of us, at the end of the day, every one of us signed the terms and conditions to say that this is how we will use your services. We won't do all of these things. I mean, they have a civic part in their terms of services that was like we won't incite hate we won't incite riots we won't incite all this other stuff in case you don't know like read those terms and conditions because it has a lot of stuff but the point is should they have this much power to just kind of do whatever they want without any checks or balances i mean for the most part they've done a good decently well job of handling the the power situation but at the same time i i do find it slightly problematic that 
we can't depend on our government to do the right thing and we depend on CEOs of social media platforms or we hope that CEOs of social media platforms will handle situations properly. And as they always say, the burden of free speech is exactly that, free. Although that doesn't mean that you can go ahead and say whatever you want on any anywhere and any, everywhere that you are. But I also agree with Mark Zuckerberg to a degree when he says he doesn't believe that they should be the arbiters of truth. However, at the same time, I also see the importance of them not letting people rough, run roughshod all over the place. Like on Parlor, that's basically what they did. They allowed people to just talk about all kinds of nonsense and things just kept on getting fueled. And they actually planned out the events that happened at the Capitol Hill on Parlor. At the same time, I'm also torn that they're deplatforming Parlor because I kind of want the FBI to keep their eyes on all these crazies. Like, I, I kind of want the FBI to see, keep their eye on all these crazy people, man. Now that the people are flooding to platforms like Signal, flooding to platforms like Telegram, and all these other really encrypted platforms, I mean, it's great for those businesses. But at the same time, I mean, we all know these people are going to just flood to, like, Discord and keep their discussion going. So, I don't know. I'm torn between the fact of, like, realizing just how powerful these media, uh, social media platforms are. And how unregulated they are on top of it. And then also realizing that there's a lot of crazy people out here. So it's important that we don't just allow people to do all kinds of stuff that they want to do. So it's like this weird balance that I'm still trying to balance in my head as to like how, what is the best way to do this whole thing? Like how exactly do we play this whole thing going into the future? Keeping the tone going with Donald Trump and politics and business. Businesses, other businesses that are not social media platforms also decided that they want to also do something about this whole situation. And they realized that they do have a lot of power and they decided to use the one thing that they can always hold against politicians. Money. A lot of businesses either pull their funding uh, of campaigns or are reviewing their donations. So here's a list of all the businesses that have announced that they're either pulling their funding or announced that they're reviewing their funding or straight up just said for those people who voted against certifying the election, we're not giving you any money. Here's a list of companies. JP Morgan Chase, Facebook, Microsoft, Google, City, Marriott, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Boston Scientific, Goldman Sachs, Dow, BlackRock, AT&T, American Express, Airbnb, CVS, ExxonMobil, FedEx, Target, Deloitte, T-Mobile, Walmart, Bank of America are all either announced that they are canceling funding for elections or they're reviewing their policy of their donations. PGA also terminated its agreement to play the 2022 PGA Championship at Trump's golf course. And basically, as the week was going on, more and more businesses felt emboldened to take a stance against what happened on Capitol Hill. However, all of this announcement, it sounds cool. It's very cool that they're all hyped up right now and they're all talking about, oh yeah, we're not doing this anymore. We're not giving you no money to campaign and all this stuff. But here's the thing. The elections just happened. So not not a lot of people asking for money right now. Not a, not a whole lot can be put 
to test on them saying that they're not going to donate. Now, the main thing is going to be seen is, are they going to donate in two years when it's time for them to do another elections for the Senate and the House? Are they are they going to donate during that time? Or is it, it, how is this going to play out? How long are they not going to be donating the PACs? Like, how long? How long is that going to play out? Or are they going to do some under-the-table donations? I mean, not to say, like, the stuff that the businesses are doing... It's all cool. It's really cool. But at the same time, let's just put some a film of reality back in it that we just ended an election. And in the next three months, it doesn't really hamper businesses to not donate to politicians. So that's just my whole thing. That's just my whole thing. But I do want to use this as an opportunity to talk about why corporations, I believe, have just become the fourth arm of government. Like corporations have become a fourth arm of government. They have began to take more and more stances in the political realm for years corporations have advised have been advised to stay away from saying anything about the society say anything about politics and just basically be about their money that's basically is what it has been but at this point in time they can't do that anymore they can't do that anymore now they have to take more of a of a stance on different issues and the main reason that i believe that they are having to take this stance and i believe that they become the fourth arm of government is because one of the key aspects that for a business to be able to work properly, for a business to be able to flow fluid, fluidly, it needs a few things. First, it needs proper infrastructure, like, you know, roads, water, food, like all of these things. It needs those infrastructure things that would actually enable it to be a profitable business wherever it is, which is why businesses don't go to countries that are war-torn unless they're trying to mine for something there apart from that they usually don't do businesses like that you don't see commerce stores you don't see amazon you don't see walmart going into countries that don't have things like good roads don't have things like water flowing freely don't have things like uh uh food just you know the normal infrastructure stuff that we in the united states take for granted this is a key reason we pay taxes it's for the infrastructure this is why businesses should pay a lot more taxes because they use the infrastructure that's why they're able to profit so much which is why i also fight people whenever they say like big business solves everything it doesn't usually solve everything because if a lot of infrastructure stuff is not already there a business is not going to go there just for it to lose money as it's building out its infrastructure they're not going to do that unless they have some ulterior motive for doing it so the fact is businesses need infrastructure but even more so it needs the rule of law to be enforceable it needs the rule of law to be very enforceable because most agreements that businesses make are contract based your employment agreement that's a contract between you and your employer that every two weeks as i work for you you're gonna pay me this sum of money and you will do this amount of work right it's a contract the terms of service that every one of us just clicks through whenever we're signing up for a new platform that we want to join that none of us ever read that's a contract that says just like donald trump found out if you go this far we're gonna boot you off of our platform that's a contract between you and the platform everything is based in some way shape or form on some kind of contract but in other for the contract to be binding there has to be a rule of law. There has to be an understanding that if we have to, if there's a situation, if there's a problem and we needed this situation to be resolved, we can go before a judge and a judge can rule unbiasedly, most of the time, unbiasedly, 
for either party because we have a contract and by the contract these were the details and so we get the rule of law to work together and so businesses cannot sit down or sit by whenever the rule of law starts to be attacked they can't sit by whenever the rule of law which in the united states the rule of law would be our constitution is being attacked when the signs of our democracy is being attacked which is why we have seen in the last three to three years or so we've seen businesses start taking active stances in the community we've seen them take stances on things that they've never taken stances on before like immigration like lgbtq like race all these things that in the past they have just kind of been like uh, we don't want to alienate anybody but now they no longer have the opportunity to do that plus there's the whole talent discussion as well if you want the best people you better be very for the things that those people want as well if you want the best talent for the longest time we've been in a bull market and an employee market which means that employees determine we always had a job that we could hop to there was a lot of vacancies and we could always hop to a new job and so to be able to do that you had to make your company stand out in more than one way and one of the ways that they, they started doing that was literally by taking stances i remember actually the first podcast that i ever did go check that in it's literally episode one was on ceos signing a declaration for change where they weren't just gonna focus on their shareholders and their money but also on their employees and also on the communities where they serve so it's coming full circus crazy that literally was the first podcast episode that i ever did on here that was literally episode number one so go check that episode out to understand some of the ways and some of the reasons why i'm thinking the way that i'm thinking about the way ceos and the way businesses are now operating and in all honesty we trust ceos to do the right thing more than we trust the leadership of our countries in other words our senators our house representatives our governors our local governments all this stuff we trust ceos to do the right things way more than we trust government officials to do the right thing i mean it's just i trust my ceo of my company i trust tim cook i trust uh such i always say his name wrong the ceo of microsoft I trust those guys to actually make the right decisions more than I tr- I've trusted the government to make the right decision in the last few years. I mean, even when you look at the pandemic, when you look at the pandemic and the ones who actually answered the call the right way and the fastest way, it wasn't the government. It was CEOs who said, hey, for our employees, we're going to give you guys this. We're going to provide all of these different things for y'all to make sure that you guys are safe. It wasn't the government, it was CEOs. The problem with that is CEOs are for their bottom line at the end of the day. Government have to look ahead past the bottom line. Government looks about the community, looks out for the community. But CEOs are about the bottom line. So when we start trusting CEOs to do the right things on our behalf, that's a problem. That's a problem. That's a problem. CEOs care about money more than anything else. Yes, they may care about some things here and there, but at the end of the day, their their filthy is to their company and the filthy is to the bottom line of the shareholders. So we've reached a point in our society that we should not reach. We should not be trusting the CEO of Apple who wants to sell you more products. 
the CEO of Microsoft who wants to sell you more products, the CEO of Google who wants to collect more of your data, the CEO of Facebook who wants more of your data, more than we trust the government who is supposed to actually be thinking 20, 30 years down the line about the future of the future generations to come. It seems like the government are a lot more short-sighted than CEO of companies now. And CEOs of companies are short-sighted because they're driven by quarterly analysts. They're driven by quarterly mandates. So I just wanted to use this as an opportunity to just go on that soapbox for a little bit and talk about how businesses have now become the fourth arm of our government. You may not agree with me, but if you really look at it, you will realize like that has become the case, at least in the United States. But anyway, let's go into some extras. Let's finish this off with some fun stuff. Elon Musk is now the richest man in the world because Tesla stock continues to fly higher and higher and Elon continues to rack in that dough because he owns Tesla. Tesla is also now more valuable than Facebook. Say goodbye to the fang and say hello to the tank stocks. You know, the fang was Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Google. Well, we're kicking out fang. We're putting in Facebook now. I mean, we're putting in Tesla. So it's Tesla, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Google. Apple and Hyundai are apparently in talks to develop the new iCar. Maybe, maybe not. We don't really know. Roku bought Quibi. I don't know if y'all remember Quibi. We've talked about them a few times on the podcast. Roku bought Quibi on a crazy sale. Like, you know when you go into a store and they're doing like, everything must go. We're liquidating everything. 90% off. Well, Roku got more than 90% off because literally Quibi spent $2 billion on content and then Roku bought them for $100 million. Just think about that. $100 million. There's a new series for Disney Plus. I just wanted to put this out there because I love Marvel. And there's a new series called WandaVision, which came out or is coming out on Friday. Did it already come out? I'm not sure. Either it came out or it's coming out. One or the other. And finally, the last one I'm going to hit on is on the news that Visa will no longer seek to acquire Plaid. Now, some of y'all will go like, I know who Visa is, but I don't know who Plaid is. And Plaid is basically seen as the plumbing of the finance network. Have you ever like tried to transfer money from one account to another and then it pops up this sign up screen? It's like, there's two ways you can do this to add an account to your Venmo account. You can do this either by us transferring some deposits and you having to go find your routing number and your account number and all that nonsense. Or you can use Plaid and you just sign into your account and it makes it very easy and very simple. And well, they, Visa was going to try and buy them. And then the Department of Justice was like, hold on, hold, on, hold, on, hold on, what you mean you're about to buy them? Nah, that's anti-competitive. And so they canceled that whole thing out and Visa will no longer buy them. If Plaid goes public, if Plaid goes public, I'm going to be interested because that thing has linked itself up to 11,000 banks, 11,000 banks. Just saying, might be a good play in the future. I don't know. But anyway, that's all I got for y'all. I hope y'all learned one, maybe two things out of this entire podcast. I know this podcast was a little bit different. It felt like I was rambling. Well, then again, it is called the Rambling Mind Podcast. And we ramble on this show. What's up? But I hope y'all enjoyed it. I hope y'all learned one, maybe two things out of this entire thing. And if you did, share it with somebody you love or just share it with somebody you hate or just share it with somebody you don't really give any to anything about. 
because they can learn also. Let's all learn. Let's all develop our minds and grow from this whole thing. But I'm going to catch you all up on the next one. Remember, generosity is always greater than greed. God bless each and every single one of y'all. And I'm out. Peace.